You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside Chris Trevino. This is our show. We do this every week, talking about the USC Trojans, the Chris and Ryan Show, whatever you want to call it. We are simulcast on YouTube. You can go over youtube.com slash Inside Troy if you're watching live. We've been typically recording these Tuesdays, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time. We got the USC practice in the morning. We kind of scramble, get all our content done, and then come right in the studio and do the show. So, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasting app or Google Play or wherever you're listening, thank you for doing that. But you can also watch us live on YouTube if you you know don't have anything to do in the afternoon or you're working and you're just kind of bored, want to watch us uh, talk about USC Church and football. We appreciate that. It's awesome when people are listening the regular podcasting app or just watching on YouTube. We appreciate all that. All the the instant feedback is great, Chris. I love having people on and being able to put stuff in the chat room and just kind of tell us what we're talking about. You'd say my voice sounds a little rough right now, which it kind of does, but um, how you doing today, Chris? I'm doing good. <clears throat> a little sleepy. If you're in the chat right now, please, I need you to roast Ryan for liking candy corn. He's got oh, a yeah. bag of candy corn here in the studio. It's disgusting. So just give him a little roast. Give him a little uh, poke in the uh, the chat. We, we cannot stand for this. We cannot let this behavior go I do un- unacknowledged. I brought you pizza, and this is how I get thanked. So Thank you, know, you for like, the pizza. The pizza was good, but um, yeah, I did like some candy corn, but it didn't really help my throat, so I shouldn't have eaten, eaten it before we went into the show. But anyway, um, thanks again for listening. If you are listening on the Apple Podcasting app, if you can follow and rate us five stars, that would be awesome. Or Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening, uh, if you can give us a rating, that is wonderful. It really does help to grow the show. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, we got a bunch of questions to get to today. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got two voicemails today that we'll get to a little bit later on the show. And if you're watching live, like I said, put your comments in the chat room. If you have a question, just put question and we'll do our best to get to it uh, later on in the show. Before we go any further, I definitely want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been awesome for us uh, over the last several years. Fall is a great time. At Trader Joe's, Chris. It's just there's so much cool stuff going on. Go over to TraderJoe's.com. You go check it out. There is a whole page on pumpkins. So uh, we fall for it every year. Is And they just put this up yesterday. So it's a new post over at Trader Joe's. All kinds of pumpkin stuff pumpkin stuff uh, on at Trader Joe's. So there's a pumpkin bread mix, if you like that. Pumpkin ice cream, which I have not tried, mm. but I try any kind of ice cream. Uh, the little hold the cone, uh, you know, those ice cream cones are awesome. The little hold the cone things. They got the pumpkin flavored ones now. 
Uh, caramel apple mochi are on there. I love like, like, like the caramel dipping stuff or apples and things. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of fall stuff, which is great. But uh, I'm a big, I'm a pumpkin guy. I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin kind of, you know, any kind of pumpkin stuff. Do you, are you a pumpkin guy? I'm a massive pumpkin pie guy. Oh, okay. Just like the biggest pumpkin pie fanatic you can ask for. So I'm intrigued by this. Very intrigued by this. I've never had anything outside of the pumpkin pie mm. uh, bubble of comfort. So maybe this is the year via Trader Joe's I will try something pumpkin. You should bring something pumpkin in for me to try. We should. Um, I am scrolling. There is a it's just a huge amount. You're still scrolling. Yeah, I'm still scrolling at all the pumpkin stuff that's on there. Pumpkin cheesecake, pumpkin rolls, chocolate mousse pumpkins. I mean, there is there's a, there's a Hand yeah, apple cider foaming hand soap. There's a lot of uh, fall themed things. Okay, maybe I won't try that. No, that's not for the eating <laughs> part. That's for the uh, for the you know washing up your hands part. But yes, lots of cool stuff over at TraderJoe's.com. So make sure you check it out. I didn't realize how much pumpkin stuff uh, there was. All right, let's get to some uh, breaking news stuff. We gotta go. Let's go some polls. Lincoln Riley's Trojans. Started off, or like 14 at the AP poll, all the way up to number seven uh, after two weeks. Coaches poll, USC, comes in at number eight. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on USC and their rankings? We should not be surprised because the USC hype train is in full effect. Everyone in the national media is very excited to jump back on USC. We've talked about this multiple times where... We're seeing ESPN, you know, talked about on those national pre-kickoff shows. During the kickoff shows, ESPN highlights USC is nationally visible again. So it makes sense that, you know, voters and then the coaches poll, they get bumped up. And obviously it was a wild weekend of college football last uh, last Saturday with upsets to Texas A&M, Baylor lost, uh, Notre Dame lost, three teams that were ranked ahead of them. So... We should not be shocked. They moved up, you know, three spots in, in the top 10 is a, is a big jump. So up to seven. I was a little worried they might get a little bit overinflated and maybe go up to number five or something crazy like that. Uh, if they had put on maybe 60 points on Stanford and not have been slowed down in that second half, I think we could have seen it. I think we could have seen a bigger reaction in the polls to USC. But seven feels okay. You know, eight feels better. This team, you know, still has some question marks, but they're a firmly top 10 team. At times they play like a top 10 team, so I think it's fair. Um, but I think five would have been pushing it or six would have been really pushing it. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to give you an analogy, not a food analogy. Oh, okay. You have one of those um, female friends. It could be, I guess it could be a guy too. A friend. Got a okay. lot going on. She's an attractive woman, you know, good job, all this stuff. And she seems to date like these loser guys and just never is sort of like, ah, well, but yeah, but I don't do this. I don't do that. You sort of have to kind of look at the competition. Like, do you, you're a cool chick. You like sports. You're fun. You're great to hang out with. You're a catch. You're kind of like, look at everyone else. Look around you. Like there's all these people that don't have jobs and they don't have a car, whatever they're doing. You're, you're like a, you know, you're like a nine and a half. Like everything's going good in your life. Like don't, don't sell yourself short. This is sort of like the USC thing, right? Like, Look around the nation, like, who's above USC? Like, you look at Clemson, like, are they any good? Like, I don't think they're that good. I mean, you know, okay, you got their supermodels in the room. There's the Georgias and the Alabamas. You know, there's some flaws there, too, uh, in Ohio State. Outside of those schools, I mean, 
USC is a flawed program, but so is everybody else. Like US, like there's everyone else out there is flawed. Like I have no problems putting this team in the top ten. And to me, this is more about it. Just is a I don't want to say condemnation, but it's it's showing the way this team should have been. Like you are going mm. to get the benefit of the doubt if you just have decent coaching, and they just haven't had it. And you know, props to uh, Clay Helton for getting a big win against Scott Frost and getting him fired. Uh, for Georgia Southern, uh, you know, playing at Nebraska. Paying it forward. But, man, like, you just – all you needed to do was not screw it up. We've been saying that for years. Lincoln Riley comes in, does a lot of great things. It's certainly not perfect. It's nowhere near that. But that is good enough to be the best team in the Pac-12. And a team that's, you know – like, I don't think this is going to be a playoff team or whatever, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got in just because, like, oh, they just happen to win those games. They don't lose any. Everyone else is kind of like meh in different spots, you know, like you, Texas A&M gets the number one recruiting class of all time and they can't beat Appalachian State. Like, you know, you should just be able to play with that recruiting class alone and beat Appalachian State. So, yeah, like I'm not like I know you're like, well, don't be too. Yeah, yeah it's a flawed team for sure. All, all aspects, even on the offensive side of the ball, it's flawed. But everybody's flawed. You're just a bunch of like 18, 19, 20 year olds playing college football. So I would say, you know, be the hot friend of yours. Don't sell yourself short. Like things are, you're, you're pretty darn good, you know? And I think at this point until proven otherwise, you can say with confidence that USC is pretty darn good. Uh, a beautiful <laughs> analogy. I would say, I don't, I think you're, I see what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying because it doesn't feel like outside of, those top three teams you know, you mentioned, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Georgia. I just had a mind blank there. Outside of them, it doesn't. It feels like it's kind of wide open in the rest of the top ten. So, yeah, USC could easily, not easily, but easily be in that conversation. You know, they yeah. keep winning to be in that, maybe getting that 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 playoff spot. I don't want to start talking about playoffs, but. You know, you look around, and if USC just keeps winning, you know, they're certainly going to be in that discussion. Now, this team is nowhere close to being able to hang with those guys in terms of trench play and defensively, but you never know. Things could happen, and they could find themselves, you know, right in the discussion for one of those CFP spots. But yeah. I, this is just, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. It's too early to talk about this. It's We're only two weeks in. It's only two weeks in. It's too early. Uh, USC is a flawed team, and you, you know that. But so but at least they're fun. So at is least everybody else. Fun. And it's way more fun. Like, would you rather look sort of like score thirty-five straight points and then take a nap, or like uh like a little little bit here, a little bit there? Uh, this was. I mean, it was almost an ex, you know a, a, a perfect inverse of what happened last year uh, with. Stanford, Stanford winning 42-28. USC wins 41-28. Uh, and again, we mentioned this a number of times, but I got the feeling this was like Stanford like literally pulling out all the stops. Like this happens sometimes in life. Like you can just, there's a favorite or whatever, not just sports, but just any sort of thing. You're like, yeah, this is going to happen. But for whatever reason, the underdog, the per like the person that's not supposed to win, like, they, you know, they made sure that they got enough sleep the whole week before and the other team's coming off like a hangover. Whatever it is, you just do everything in your power to sort of set this up. This this one hour of time or this one hour of game time, this window, we're going to try to do everything in our power to make sure we are optimized for that. We're going to do some different stuff that the other people haven't seen. All I feel like Stanford 
really pulled out all the stops. And USC just got this big lead. And you essentially cut Stanford off at the knees. Um, Stanford is not one of those teams that's going to come back from, you know, three touchdowns down and beat you. And so you you made it so Stanford could even you, – you took Stanford's ability to win away by building up a multiple touchdown lead. And no matter how it ended, like you just knew – there wasn't Stanford wasn't going to be able to come back. They, you know, they have some you know, long sustained drives. They were getting chunk plays on the ground and all that stuff. Um, but they got to kind of do what they need to do to get there, set themselves up for all those plays. So scoring quick wasn't going to be, you know, in the mo there. So and you know, if USC needed to score, they would have scored more. But even that last drive by Stanford, you know, with like two minutes left, they were just taking their sweet time. Yeah, it's like you don't have that time, but they were just still doing their thing, and it was like. Even I was like, this is, they're not even like trying to go up tempo or try to do like any sort of two minute drill. This is just a normal drive to them with not down two touchdowns. It's like, it was very weird. Yeah. Very weird. It was very weird. Okay. Let's get to some um, awards. So we've got uh, the Pac 12 Offensive Player of the Week uh, is, and we'll give him a, a round of applause there. If you don't know the numbers yet, I'm putting this up on the screen on YouTube. It's uh, number 13, Caleb Williams. He wins. Uh, and, you know, didn't have the the kind of game on the ground. I think he, had, he gained like 30 yards or so um, rushing on the day. But, uh, man, just a, another really efficient performance. Uh, I get it. You know, that, that long touchdown bomb to Jordan Addison was something special. But he was really efficient. Uh, didn't even face a third down at all during those first five drives. So I think well-deserved he can be the Offensive Player of the Week. You feel like he could probably do it almost every week, but he was Offensive Player of the Week this week. Yeah, I just feel like baseline, he's going to always kind of be in contention for a Player of the Week. I mean, we shouldn't uh, – these aren't like – I don't – what I was going to say is, sounds dumb, but it's like he's so good in this league, in this conference, that – he could win it every week. So that right there just says a lot about this offense and his talent as a player. Uh, I would expect many more of these to come this season. And there's a reason why he's a Heisman contender. I believe some of the Heisman buzz coming out after Saturday was he definitely moved up in the minds of a lot of people, maybe in that second spot. I know his odds got a little bit better with Vegas. So he's not thinking Pac-12 player of the week, Pac-12 player of the year. We got to look ahead, Ryan. We got to look to where he stands in the Heisman moving forward. Yeah. But it is obviously his first like true big game in the Pac-12. So deservingly uh, the Pac-12 player of the week for yeah. the offense. And it's one of those things, too, where you're like, hey, who's going to win the Heisman early on? Before USC played a game, he was in the top four or something for Heisman because you're like, okay, we know he's really good. You're pairing him with Lincoln Riley. They're going to make USC's offense competent. You added all these other pieces. So you're instantly like, well, he's going to be one of the Heisman favorites before he even did anything. So, um, but he did some stuff. He's done some stuff, and he's looked really impressive doing it. So we'll see uh, how he plays at home against Fresno State. USC also picked up the defensive lineman, Pac-12 Player of the Week, and that would be your very own Tuli Tuli Pelotu, who had, I believe, four tackles. Four tackles for a, for a loss. loss. Seems one sack. Pretty good of that. Pretty pretty good. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tuli? Win the defensive uh, lineman of the week. I know a lot of people were not concerned, but there was some like questions after week one 
against Rice where Thule didn't really do that much. I didn't go back and look at the stats from that, but he was very quiet in terms of, you know, all the hype uh, Thule, Thule Pelotu had built up in the offseason with the coaches and media. And look, I'm still all in on Thule. I was still all in on Thule after Rice and thank him for, you know, making me look good and kind of coming through with four tackles for a loss in that game. Uh, with that performance alone, he is now second in the Pac-12 in tackles for a loss, trailing uh, by half a tackle for a loss. So it's a good start or a good, uh, I guess, quote-unquote rebound from, you know, a quiet week one having this week two. And I expect, you know, him to kind of ride the momentum going to this Fresno State game, you know, a night game at home, kind of build off that. And I would expect him to be uh, in for maybe another big performance, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Keep those... uh those splash plays going uh, behind the line. Yeah. And then one who, now I vote in this and I believe I voted for Caleb. I believe I voted for Thule. There you go. But I also voted for the defensive player of the week. Uh, I put on my ballot, Max Williams, who had the big interception, uh, forcing a fumble inside the uh, opponent's five yard line, ends up going to uh, Oregon State's uh, kitten, Aladabo, Adaladapo. So he had 15 tackles. That's a lot mm-hmm. of tackles. That's a lot of tackles. In a um, win. In a win. So In a win. It was a big win uh, You know, on the road against Fresno State. Um, he, uh, he had a 12-yard sack on a third and 13 in the third quarter. Um, but, you know, so he, has, he had 16 tackles in week one when they played Boise State. Um, you know, and I get it. Like, to me, there was like he had a bunch of tackles. But Max Williams, I thought, in, in, you know, was involved in the game more than that. Um, as far as you know, forcing two turno- like two turnovers essentially. So I I voted for Max Williams. But he needed to pick six it. If yeah. he would have picked six it, done. Then it's got to be done. Then but it's done. You're part of two turnovers in a, a conference game. Like I get Fresno State's a good team and stuff, but um, just a good performance overall. I mean, I called that one of my five predictions. Max Williams turnover. I wrote it. You did certified. I uh, just had a feeling about it. You know, this guy. That was those were his first turnovers he's had and generated in his career, which seems crazy. But you have to think, you know, he's had some injuries and hasn't played that much in the prior two years, missed all of last season. So it just felt like he was due. So I decided to kind of roll with that. And, you know, great story. Uh continuing that story this year, you know, being a one of their best defenders for this defense. So yeah. just keep the keep the good vibes rolling for uh Big Max. Yeah, hard not that big. That's kind of ironic you'd call him big. But um yeah. Uh, hard worker, just a, a great kid. We have an interview up on uh, uscfootball.com. You can check that out. Well, it's over on our YouTube channel. Did, we put it up there. Did you so. get any candy corn slander in the? Uh, I haven't seen any candy corn. Some someone said if it's your favorite candy, then they don't like that. But we're not a lot of candy corn slander there, so that's good, positive or negative. So that could be a very polarizing. And the stream is still going. Yes, stream is still going. Yeah, we didn't uh, crap out this week okay. like last week. Okay. So. Um, also real quickly mentioning Oregon state, they've actually had the, the PAC 12 defensive player of the week, two weeks in a row. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but a different guy last week, but the, uh, Oregon state USC game, which right now, uh, I think Oregon state's playing like Montana state or something next. So they already got a big win against Portland state, Portland state. They're playing. Okay. I believe it's Portland. Um, state. they, they got a big win against, uh, Boise state, Fresno state. And now. They got a cupcake, and the then states. they'll yeah, then they'll be able to play USC uh, at home in a half a Corvallis Stadium because the other half is getting renovated. We're going to be in this weird uh, temporary press box and all that. But USC, you know, starts off 
two and zero. You know, beats Rice is not very good. You know, beats a conference. You know, conference road game, conference road win against Stanford, and then has that same Fresno State team coming up. Potential for a three and zero matchup, like two ranked teams. Oregon State's not ranked, which is a part of the problem. Uh, they're is, they're close. They're close, but they should be ranked. Um, playing in Corvallis, undefeated early in the season, road game. You know, first another big road test, I guess, for Lincoln Riley. I mean, this could be a college game day sort of thing in week three. And it's been relegated to the Pac-12 network. It's not even going to be on real TV, um, which is a little disturbing. TV. Yeah. So John Wilner does a great job covering the conference. And um, he had tweeted out contractually. So there's all this stuff contractually. So things that are in the contracts, which is part of the reason why USC is leaving because they were bad contracts. But USC has to be on the Pac-12 network three times. They were in week one with Rice. There's essentially like a lottery situation where Fox and ESPN get to pick games, but they know there's limitations of which games they can pick. Um, and because USC has got a lot of momentum, the general thought is that Fox and ESPN are sort of saving their USC picks until later in the season. Which and makes you, sense. You have to look at which games would be good Pac-12 network games. Um, and the Colorado game can't be on it because it's on a Friday. So you're kind of screwed um, as far as that stuff goes. Knowing all that, Chris, this is going to be this is what I circled as USC losing early in the season. Like it was going to be a tough place. You know, Corvallis has been tough. Oregon State didn't lose last year. They beat Utah not early in the season when Utah wasn't starting Cam Rising. They beat Utah when Utah was good in Corvallis. So this is a tough place to go. I don't get why Fox or ESPN wouldn't have got this early. I think this is just one you'd kind of want, you know, and maybe just you get more money by waiting later on. Um, but if USC, USC loses a couple games, like this is like two undefeated teams. I don't, I mean, potential undefeated teams. I, yeah, this one's a, it's baffling for me. You feel like maybe that ESPN and Fox were kind of maybe overthinking themselves a little bit with this one in terms of let's wait a little bit and like, no, just grab this game now. This is like you said, probably, I don't want to jinx it to be two undefeated teams, Kind of going, uh, assuming, you know, USC gets by Fresno State at home. Right. But this could be, this game will have national implications. You know, if USC comes in there undefeated and Oregon State, Corvallis, they're going to show up for that game. They're going to, they're going to represent and it's going to be just, it's even more intimate because as you said, this, the stadium is going to feel smaller because, you know, only half that stadium. So it's going to be a lot louder. It's going to be more intimate. So it's going to make for a great environment. And, you know, wouldn't you want to put that? on a national kind of level. And now people are going to have to make up a bunch of fake emails to get a bunch of sling accounts. And you know, the, the, the fake email industry is doing great. It is. Whenever, ever USC plays on the pack. They do. They're doing great. I don't know who profits from fake emails, but whoever they are, they're doing great. Um, so that's what the reality is. You know, six thirty kickoff. Should have just moved this to Fox, baby. I, yeah, one of the things, by the way, Oregon State is playing Montana State. So, oh, um, and, why did I think it was Portland State? I don't know. But we're doing, so we do uh, the podcast of champions. I do a show with David Woods, who covers UCLA. We've been doing it for several years. And um, we do our power rankings in the Pac 12. We have USC number one this week, and we have Oregon State number three. Um, mm. So, Who's this two? is like a tough, I mean, this is a huge matchup. Like, I think Oregon State's going to be better than Oregon this year. I think they're the best team in the North this year. So, with USC potentially being the best team in the South and Oregon State the best team in the North, I know the divisions don't matter for all that anymore. Again, this is too 
I know it's early. It's too good of a matchup. The, the Utah one's going to be really good, but Utah's already lost. And they lost to a Florida team that just lost to Kentucky. You know, it's not like this is a world-beating Florida team. So I, I feel like this is a mistake. Like, you know, I, I'd love to see this one on a real network. Wouldn't we all, Ryan? Wouldn't we all? But that just means more people will follow us on Twitter that week because we'll mm-hmm. be the best coverage coming out of that because they will not be watching it on TV unless they uh, do a fake email. Can I quickly guess your power rankings? The top, uh, the, the yes. top six? Okay, guess my power So rank. it's USC, mm-hmm. Utah, yep. Oregon State, yep. UCLA? Nope. Um, this is great podcasting. Uh, no. We have UCLA five. Okay. Washington? So Washington four. They've looked really good. They've scored 97 points through two games. Oh. And who's number six? Oregon? They got a big win this week. Oregon did not. They got a win, but. No. Who got the biggest win in the Pac-12 this week? Uh, Utah? Washington State, baby. Oh, they that's went to the right. road to beat Wisconsin. Right. That's right. Yeah. So we have those at the top six. We have Oregon. Uh, I blanked that on my mind because you were like, don't overreact. Don't overreact. And I, I should have known because I was defending them. I was like, hey, that's a win on the road in it's Big, big Ten country in a notoriously juiced up stadium with a hard nosed football team getting beat by a spread offense. So. <laughs> I let you down, Wazoo, and not uh, remembering that. Yeah, wa- uh, Washington State's offense is like kind of—it's a little sketchy. I thought they'd be better, but they're—they're they're playing good defense. They're kind of like you know opportunistic defense, like USC's defense, like forcing turnovers and stuff. But they don't have the offense to go with it, which I thought they would with Cameron Ward. But they've looked kind of bad on offense, so we'll see how that's uh, how that's doing. Um, okay, we also have to talk about some injuries. We're not allowed to report on injuries, but you can talk to Lincoln Riley about injuries. He didn't bring up anything, I believe, on Trojans Live last night. But today, uh, we were there this morning, and he was asked a couple questions about a couple of guys. Let's start off with uh, Cortland Ford, and I'm going to show a picture of him for the YouTube folks, of him in the medical tent, uh, right ankle, looks like, uh, wrapped up. What do you know about Cortland Ford, Chris? Obviously, USC is kind of co-starting left tackle. I believe he's been the first one out for both games. Uh, out of the gate, kind of obviously rotating with the Virginia grad transfer, Bobby Haskins. That's been a storyline for this offense and how they like both of them. So they're just kind of rotating them until maybe something forces their hand to pick one. Seems like this is a situation where they might be forced to pick one. And I would be, uh, I would go forward and say, you know, Haskins is probably going to be your starter going to this weekend. Uh, Lincoln said they are just going to. Give uh, Cortland a little bit of a break uh, at the start of this week. Kind of give him a little bit of rest early, and then they're going to come back and they're going to reevaluate where he stands. Uh, But if he doesn't practice this week, uh, as Lincoln has said in the past, if you don't practice, you don't play. So if Bobby's the one who's getting all the reps in practice uh, this week, number seven, he's going to be your left tackle. So get 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 forward healthy. I think is the big. the big the big issue here, not the issue, but the big goal at hand. You don't have a lot of offensive linemen. You know, it's Fresno State. We know it's going to be, you know, an interesting game. There, there are no pushover, but I would do what you can to get Cortland healthy, rest it up, because you're going to need him moving down the line, you know, against Oregon State and the Utahs and moving forward. So get Cortland right, get that ankle right, 
Bobby Haskins can uh, can uh, handle the load at left tackle. He's a veteran. He has experience. So, and the guys work with them well, obviously, as they do with Corlin. So, I think they're going to be okay. But I think priority number one is just getting that ankle healed. Don't want to rush it. Yeah, and I got to talk to Bobby Haskins a little bit this morning. Um, you know, he was sort of asked about, you know, what his role would be, and he's like, you know, you got to ask the coaches that. Um, yeah, so I, when we talked to Lincoln Riley last week, it was more about they like their six guys, and they were going to see what happens, but you're probably not going to get through the whole season with all six guys healthy. You lose one or potentially lose one uh, against Stanford, so Haskins is the obvious fill-in there. The question will be now if someone goes down, Who's the next guy off the bench? Does it matter what position it is? Is it Mason Murphy or somebody coming in? It feels like Mason Murphy, regardless of what yeah, happens. Yeah, regardless of position. You kind of move things around, and you get tested a little bit. So um, we'll definitely see. But yeah, Corlett Ford seemed to have a lot of confidence. I talked to him. It was interesting. Uh, Harvey Hyde brought up uh, yesterday on the podcast that going on the road is a bonding experience. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. And this is a team that was assembled late, right? Like, you know, less than a year with a lot of new faces. And I asked, you know, Bobby Haskins about that. And he, you know, one of the things he talked about was like, when you go on the road, he, he's like, you love going on the road. He's like, it's only you guys. Like, it's just us. So mm-hmm. There's no girlfriends are around. There's no, you know, professors. There's no, what you're just, the team gets in a bus. They get on a plane. They go to a hotel. They eat together. They go to meetings together. You're like, in a bubble. You're in a bubble just with your team. And for, so for a team that hasn't been together that long, it's a unique experience. Like if you're the first time you've been with your girlfriend for a while, Chris, like the first time you go on like a, a trip together, traveling together can be stressful, right? It's just something that can be like, oh, did you leave your toothbrush out or whatever? Like there's just little things that can go on when you're traveling and you learn a lot about a person when you're like sharing a room with them or whatever it is, you know, when you're doing stuff on the road. Uh, where are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Like, oh, should we do this activity or should we just stay in, at the pool? There's, there's stuff like that kind of little stressors that happen when you travel. So I think it's like a good, another opportunity for these guys to get closer. He said that, that they've been bonding really well. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen the chemistry with this team be good, but I think it probably helped. It got, it got helped a little bit by being on the road like that. I hope roommate assignments were random. Why? Oh yeah, helped, you can, like, yeah because people. like, don't make the offensive linemen room with each other. Put it with someone different. Like have Bobby Haskins rooming with like Max Williams. Max or Williams or something like that. <laughs> just, just get the bonding, you know, through different channels of this team already seems close and sort of not related to position. Like like after the celebration for Max or Makai Blackman's uh interception, it was, you know, Cooper Lovelace and Eric Gentry celebrating together. Like that's not two people you think would like be celebrating together, True. but here they are. So I hope it was random. Maybe those guys were roommates this weekend and they bonded. So I don't know. Uh, so that I I'd be I, sh- I should ask some of the players that if the roommate uh, assignments on the road are kind of uh, random, or random. They, or they get to pick or whatever. That so. could be interesting. Um, yeah. Would you do yeah, like when we I like coach beach volleyball and Hermosa like for the city? We'll get like sometimes big groups like forty people in our in our group, and a lot of times you just have it when they're warming up, just like all right, switch, you know. Go go up with somebody you don't know and just sort of like get to know, you know, you can just make it random like that and get to know them a little bit. And, it, you know, I think that kind of gets you out of your routines and stuff, too. So, sure. I like it, Chris. Absolutely. You can push that. Let's uh, let's uh, we'll send some emails. Um, <laughs> see what's going on there. OK, the other one uh, we have to talk about is Romello Height that just, you know, high expectations, I think, since he came in, you know, just sort of like Shane Lee, like you're like, I think this guy can come in and and do some big things. 
Uh, more shoulder problems for him. It just seemed to be like a recurring issue. Um, I think we were talking in the press box a little bit where, you know, if it almost looked like it popped out or you could feel like, um, you know, sometimes that happens. It just happens over and over again. But what do you know about Romello Height? What do you think about him and his potential to return? It wasn't a great Saturday to be Romello Height, obviously, up there at Palo Alto. You know, everyone saw the play where he went down got treated, came off, and that was it. You know, he was pads off, uh, shoulder or arm in a sling. He was done. And, you know, Lincoln came out and said that they're going to give him some downtime, quote-unquote downtime, to kind of rest up. You know, the shoulder uh, has been a reoccurring issue since, you know, fall camp. You know, he's had that big brace on every time we've seen him since fall camp, essentially. So I think this is the right move. You know, let it heal or let it or try to reevaluate it and see what it does after you know a couple days off or a week off or a week and a half off whatever whatever that time period will be he didn't exactly say what it was um give it time and see what the next move is you know we don't know he's had shoulder injuries in the past when he was at auburn had had uh, seasoning surgery i believe his freshman year uh, so I'm not sure if that's the same shoulder or is the opposite shoulder, but if it's the same shoulder, obviously that's makes it seem a lot worse. But this is definitely a situation that's going to be ongoing uh, for the rest of the season. And it is a bummer because, you know, Romello Height, a lot of potential. He's a tough dude. I've just been playing through a pretty nagging shoulder injury. So you want to see him succeed. You want to see him do well. And a lot of people have talked about his ability and sort of his leadership, especially Corey. Uh, in terms of, you know, call him that his big brother. But, you know, sometimes, you know, the injuries get the best of you. So I think it's good that they're going to give him some time off. It's good that S- Solomon Bird really stepped up on Saturday. That makes you feel a little bit more confident as a USC fan that, hey, at least someone's there to kind of step up. Hopefully you get Corey to step up, and that'd be a really nice duo between those two. Bird having those two sacks kind of breaking out. And we'll see what happens. It seems like that's going to be the main two rotation, Bird and Foreman moving forward and you hope you know Romello with a little more time uh to heal to to rest it you know maybe he can be back uh but again that's just something we're gonna have to monitor and wait on but he's getting some rest this week that's that's the main takeaway yeah he's gonna get a little rest uh my guess is we're not gonna see him but you know who knows we don't know um Lincoln Riley's not going to uh you know tip his hand as far as that stuff goes so we'll see um, with that, uh, let's see. We had a comment from uh, Truck Ranger. Yeah, uh, Bird did look good. We had two sacks, right? Two sacks. Uh, that nail in the coffin sack at the end. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we get to talk to him tomorrow. We're supposed to talk to him today. Uh, some so kind of get class thing. Some kind of some kind of deal. So hopefully, get to talk to him. He's a very popular man right now. Saw him come out of practice. Seemed to have a little bit more swagger to him. You know, especially yeah. coming off a, a strong performance, but. This guy wasn't a nobody. You know, he was a freshman All-American at Wyoming, had 11 and a half career sacks going into the season. So this is a guy with a lot of potential, a lot of pass rush ability. So he's uh, really grabbing onto that rush end spot. So I think he's going to have another good game this weekend. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I think he will. Look for number 51. Um, your stat pack came out. Oh. Um, do you need to? Got to pull. I don't want a laptop. People complain I look at the laptop too much. So. <laughs> um, yeah, stall for me while I pull it up. Okay, let me. I'll here. pull it up too. Like the so Crystal put a bunch of stats out there to kind of get you know get you a feel for. It. Make sure and by the way, check out your uh, the Ghost Notes 
These are awesome. Uh, so if you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, you can sign up for a buck or 30% off your annual uh, membership if you want to try that too. But the ghost notes are amazing. Like we literally don't get a whole lot of time to watch what's going on. It's a small window and Chris packs in a ton of notes from what's going on there. So just from guys walking out of the tunnel, he gets there early, checking to see what's going on out there. And, you know, he's been cut off a little bit as far as we can't say some of the things that we would see with the injuries or guys wear, you know, maybe not wearing pads or wearing a non-contact yellow jersey, all that stuff. We're not allowed to report on that anymore, but still packed with a great info. So if you want to know kind of what's going on behind the scenes at practice, as much as we can see, um, Chris does a great job pulling it all in there. So I'm just going to read some and I just want to get your reaction. Okay. So for those unfamiliar with the stat pack, I just every week uh, take a bunch of major categories and I see where the USC ranks, you know, whether on offense, you know, scoring offense, rushing defense or rushing offense, rushing a uh, passing offense, kind of a miscellaneous group. And then I do some notes like, oh, this person's leading this category. This person's like number two in the nation. So things like that. It's free. It's up there every week, comes out every Monday. So check that out. But uh, Ryan. Yes. Uh, USC tied for number 12 in the nation in total offense, 521.5 yards per game. Can't be too surprised by that. No, I mean, you got, I'm going to put some pictures up for those watching. Uh, just the Lincoln Riley's offense is pretty special. Just what he's been able to do. Having a trigger man like Caleb Williams uh, has just been outstanding. Where I mentioned like a Jordan Addison. Um, you know, what he's able to do, just the speed, this how smooth he is out there. And, you know, getting more guys involved. Lake McCree gets his first touchdown. Uh, so it was good to see him kind of get into the end zone. I think Mario Williams is someone that just like, he would be your number one guy on, I mean, many teams, I think, in the country, he would be like your number one guy. And then, you know, having a Travis die, get his first touchdown. He was the last scholarship quarterback to get a touchdown this season. But um, just it's the, – the offense is, is awesome. And when it's clicking, it just looks amazing. I think Pro Football Focus tweeted out like a, a little video of a just a diabolical screen pass where you see sort of everybody going to – behind the line of scrimmage, everyone's going to the left, and then they kind of sneak sneak out to the right. And, you know, it just, it just sets the – it's an offense that sets up very well. You're scheming guys open all the time. And it doesn't seem like it's, you know, too complicated for the players to comprehend. But it you're getting all these different looks if you're a defense. It's really hard for the defense to kind of figure out what's going on. Easier for the offense to run. You got great skill position players, a great trigger man. Yeah, not surprised that they're that high. Sorry, it was a that was a long answer. Yeah, I didn't expect you to go that long, but But I had a lot of photos I wanted to put up. But staying in the offense, okay. eight point six two yards per play. That is number two in the nation. <laughs> Second to uh, Maryland. Maryland, yes. <laughs> My Terps actually lead the country in, I believe it's 8.62 for USC and 8.64 for Maryland. Wow. So they're right there. Uh, obviously, USC still leads in turnover margin. They were number two in the country after week one. They are now sole number one at and turnover four. margin. Um, and they are one of uh, 12 teams, I believe it's 12, that have not committed a turnover this season Yeah, through you, two weeks. You know that yards per play stat? I w- I'd be curious to see what Maryland, so I don't, I'm not familiar with their offense or what they're doing over there, but that's I mean, obviously an amazing number. 
Um, USC's faced the fewest third downs in the country. Mm-hmm. And once you get your yards per play that high, you can kind of see why, right? Because if you're picking up eight yards of play or more, it's hard to get third downs. Because you're, you know, if you don't get a, you get a first down, boom, first down, first down, first, you keep getting them. Um, so I'm curious where, where, how many third down Maryland's faced. Because I have to look that up. And that is right. It's, they've only faced 15 first downs. Third uh, downs. Third downs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, they have allowed a conference high 47 first downs. That's a lot. That's a lot of first downs. Yeah, Stanford out like Stanford had, I think, 33 and USC had 24 or something. Like they had nine more first downs than USC had. That's something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, opponents, red zone conversions for defense, 66.7%, which is tied for number 25 in the country. Oh, that's not too bad. Which is a flip from their uh, total defense, which is number 72. So obviously that that plays into them taking the ball away uh, in the red zone several times. So giving yeah. up a lot of yards, but not letting them score a lot. Yeah, it's like you know we'll go back to what Lincoln Riley said. It was an explosive, you know, explosive plays on defense, and they're just very opportunistic. I think someone was tweeting at Shotgun. You're like the defense needs to be better, and was like blah blah blah. They need more tackles for loss, and Shotgun goes. They have 20, at least the Pac-12. <laughs> like, they have 20 tackles for loss. So, and I, I, and I, uh, maybe we'll ask Alex Grinch about this tomorrow. And we could have asked uh, Lane, I mean, Lincoln, oh my God. Could have asked Lincoln Riley. Lane Riley. Lane Kiffin. Uh, Lincoln Riley about this too. Just kind of marrying an offensive defense, right? Like, with this kind of offense, you know you're going to score. Do you need a slogging, like try to get three and outs all the time? Or would you rather have a defense that's like high flying that will get you the ball back by knocking, you know, intercepting passes or knocking balls out or getting some big tackles for loss? Like, I feel like it's a good marriage, you know, um, between that where you're, you know, you have a, a, a defense that could be high octane and yeah, you'd like to get more stops, maybe not give up the, the gash plays and, and all that. But if you're taking the ball away a lot, like, and you're just giving the ball back to the offense. Hell, man, I love it. It's like, I think that works. Those are all the stats I'm going to throw at you for today. Nice. So check out Stat Pack with Chris uh, every Monday. I'm also putting up um, an orbiting piece. Uh, mm. So orbiting is like some internet term for basically like if you have some sort of breakup, and but you keep checking out your ex's social media and making comments on it, people call that orbiting. So or stalking. Kind of, yeah, it's like kind of a stalk. Like you're... We're it's just a nice up. way to say it. Let's just say orbiting. So orbiting USC's exes. So I, I go through uh, most of the, everyone that was on you. Not everyone, but most of everyone was on USC's coaching staff or uh, players that were on the team like last year. And where are they now sort of thing. And so it's been kind of fun. There's some people are like, oh, I don't care. Why would you care? And then a whole bunch of people got on like, I care. I care. Like a lot of people care. They want to know what's going on. Like, uh, you know, Brandon Campbell, like people had high expectations. He's like the starting running back at Houston had. 80 yards, led the team, uh, had his first, you know, touchdown. Um, kind of cool to see. Like a Joseph Manjack, he's a right wide receiver on that team. You know, Brew McCoy is now like the, you know, one of the stu- stud receivers for for Tennessee. Of course, Clay Helton being a head coach somewhere else and then getting, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest upset wins of the year, you know, beating Nebraska in Lincoln. Like all that kind of stuff is sort of interesting. And like that you're going to see, but you're probably not going to know much about like what Brandon – Campbell's doing, or hell, Raymond, Raymond Scott has been playing well for Fresno State, the former coming back USC. to the college. He's coming back to the college. See, I'm playing Saturday night. So 
that's what we're sort of doing with that. So if you have any, you know, requests, if there's someone I wasn't including on the uh, orbiting piece, you can send it to me. And if you don't want to read about what's going on with former USC players, just skip it because a lot of people want to hear it. So that's why we're doing it. Um, all right. Well, why don't we just take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions unless there's anything else you had, Chris. I got nothing. All right. Back in a minute, everybody. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. All right. See, here we got comments like this, Chris. Um, oh, no. This is from... Oh, wait. No. This is the wrong one here. I'll pull it up. Uh, comment from Round Squash. D-line needs to pressure the quarterback. Five sacks? Is that... Nine sacks. Nine sacks on the season? Leads the Pac-12. Okay, so <laughs> I, I don't know what you want. They want like, more. They want 18 sacks. Like, you're leading the conference in sacks. Like, you need to pressure the quarterback more. Like, okay. I would agree that the the pressure can be a little more consistent. Consistent pressure is good. They need to be more consistent. Absolutely. But they're, I mean, they're but like they this roller coaster defense. But like, they lead the Pac-12 in sacks. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you, like, I don't we know. We can point to that. We could be like nine sacks. Leads the conference. <laughs> no one else leads the conference <laughs> but USC. It's like, they need to pressure the quarterback more. Uh, I think maybe that's true. You don't need to sack the quarterback more. You're sacking you can the quarterback pre- You can enough. pressure him. You can put more pressure on him. Can make him run around, make bad decisions. I see what, I see what he's saying. You know, if, if they did that, so what? here's the thing. You got nine sacks, but if you pressured him more, quarterback could run around and make bad decisions. Maybe you could get like six interceptions through two games. Huh. Six oh, wait, they did. They already have six interceptions. Which leads to Pac-12, which Again, also leads to Pac-12. Eight turnovers leads to Pac-12. So I don't know what you want to say. Um, he came back with uh, Trunks came back with the defense needs to stop the run. <laughs> He's got me there. That's fair. He's stumped me there. Um, yeah, they need they need to be better at stopping the run. Absolutely. Right. But did you know the run defense is actually better than Utah's? Hmm. It's pretty impressive. Ranked ahead of Utah. I like it. Um, okay, why don't we? Let's go we to voicemails. we have voicemails. So let's go to a voicemail first. Here we go. I need a little graphic for voicemails. Ryan, this is for the Parasol Podcast. This is Giovanni from the Five Six Two. First off, want to thank you and the team for hosting us in that Week One tailgate. Uh, my girlfriend and I had a great time. I got some new stacks of uh, snacks now in the pantry, so thank you. Um, my question is, what's up with our guy Kyle Ford? He, I mean, I didn't see him in any play uh, in the Stanford game. I mean, I know both you and I have high hopes for him, so just figuring out what's going on there. Um, besides that, I'm excited to see these receivers keep catching and making plays. Thanks, Ryan. Sure thing. Yeah, it's great to meet you and your girlfriend uh, out there. And uh, it's funny, walking into Stanford Stadium, got a shout-out from Kyle Ford's dad. As you know, I mean, ever since I was at the opening, uh, yeah, Dallas, down in uh, at the Star. Where he became a star. 
Yeah, he was a star at the star. At the star. I believe it was 15 touchdown passes in like a weekend at a 7 on 7. That five. might I believe that's still the record, like the opening record. It would have to be. I mean, it was insane. And uh great kid, it's been fun to chat with him and stuff. Um yeah. So, I don't know. We it was a little bit different of a rotation that we saw in week 1. I thought that was going to be the case. Like Taj Washington was like featured against Rice and we didn't really see him much against uh, Stanford. So I feel like there's opportunities where it just, he could be the breakout player one week. Uh, we don't know, but so far we, I just haven't seen a ton of him. I mean, there, remember this was pre, I'm not breaking any rules because this was pre injury ban, but remember he did miss a lot of time uh, going into the season. So maybe they're still kind of catching up, but this is a stacked wide receiver room, a lot of competition. So you need to raise your level of play to kind of, you know, stand out and be someone who's like, okay, this guy's going to deserve some more reps. So all starts in practice. Yeah, starts in practice. So we wish him the best. We'll let you know what we think we find out anything else there. Why don't we go to an email? This is from LA Transplant from Diego. Uh, he said, Blackman. Uh, let me, let me, I think I have a picture of him. Yeah. Um, Blackman played uh, a great corner spot despite being called for 67 pass interference calls. It was three. He says the refs were being way too ticky tack. Not a surprise. Thoughts. There were two errant throws in the fourth to the right. Thought thoughts on whether it was miscommunication or bad throws and, uh, why they let up the run, let up the run. I'm sorry. He didn't write that very, uh, correctly, but well, let's go. Let's focus on the Makai Blackman stuff. Because uh, Lincoln Riley was asked about him today. Yeah, I mean, he said point black. He was awesome. And he kind of let let it hang there. He came back. You know, he was awesome. And, you know, he said, you know, they watched the film. And he thought it was great coverage that he played on, I believe, all of his. I believe he mentioned. I believe he said it was all of the 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 coverages that he had. So targeted 11 times. You know, Shotgun and I looked at one. One of them was just a Pac-12 uh, flag. Uh, which is a bad call, but Lincoln Riley loved the way Makai Blackman played. He he loves the way he's talking to him right now. That's a line from a movie, so no one got that. But <laughs> he loves the way he's playing right now, and yeah. just kind of oozed the praise on him as you know being their their top cornerback and a guy that they can put on anyone, uh, any any opposing offenses, uh, uh, wide receiver, top wide receiver, and they feel confident that he would uh, uh, play. Uh, he would dominate, or is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and uh, no, I, I mean, from what our my point of view, I thought he played well too. Mm-hmm. The first PI was like uh, the guy ran like an in route, and you could see Blackman grab the jersey. I get it. The other one where they're like running down the sideline together, and Blackman's arms aren't, t- you know, he's not on them at all, and it just they just threw a flag because you were close, like it. That, that and the ball was like, over his head. Yeah, that 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 just seemed. Very Pac-12 refy. We'll see if um, if there's like sort of a theme going forward. Like, remember when we were at Pac-12 Media Day? I think it was Merton Hanks, the you know director of football for the Pac-12, was saying that everyone's going to be treated the same. You know, they're not going to treat USC and UCLA differently. Uh, we'll see if that's the case. I'm going to go more towards Pac-12 incompetence at the refs, which is normally the case. Um, but yeah, there was a lot. Of, I mean, there was a lot of flags uh, against USC defenders there. So. Um, yeah, we'll see what it, what changes going forward. But I thought he, I thought overall he played well, and they kept throwing at him. I think he got thrown out like ten times. 
And uh, for the most part, I thought he did a good job. That that interception in the end zone where, like, you know, you're bigger body and you tip it up in the air and pick it off, like, that was a thing of beauty. So I, I, I would agree with Lincoln Riley on that, who made a point basically to say, like, oh, no, those weren't – I mean, he didn't yeah. say, like – he he did. The, it was like a way to criticize the refs without directly criticizing the refs, which I think they deserve to be criticized. We got uh, John in Columbus, Georgia. He says, uh, "Knowing what we know now about now about this team, should the overall strategy be to have the offense go all out from the start and force teams to be one dimensional? For what it's worth, I don't think we're ready to be a playoff team. My prediction is was ten and two which would be fantastic considering the last dozen years. I agree there. So just missing out on a playoff might be better with potential recruits rather than getting boat raced by Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State. John in Columbus. So the first part about kind of what they did at Stanford. You boat race them, and then you sort of make them one-dimensional and just kind of cruise cruise to, to victory. I, I don't have a problem with that, but what do you think? I mean, I think this offense is just going to try to put up points however, how many times they can and go fast out of the gate you know they never want to come out flat like they did in that second half so i think there's going to be a point of emphasis going to this week to come out firing like they did last week and the week before so i think that strategy is going to hold uh moving forward is is that the uh, explicit uh goal of this team to jump out so early and then have the defense kind of make them one-dimensional that's just how it's been playing out but it's a it's a nice strategy so far yeah no, I agree. And then um, as far as the yeah playoff team, like, would you rather? I still think it's better to make the playoff. And this team has enough firepower that if you if you make the playoff in your first year, I think that's a lot better than going like 10 and 2. Um, if you make the playoff and get boat raced by Alabama, I think, still think that's better. You made the playoff. Like, USC hasn't made the playoff yet. They've never been in the playoff. I'd rather right. see USC make the playoff and get boat raced. And you can say, well, look, Lincoln Riley's team's lost in the first round of the playoffs. Like, well, they were 4-8 and eight last year, and he turned them into a playoff right. team. Like, you go 4-8 to playoff. That means more to me than anything. Yeah, I think – yeah, I, I kind of was on his side, what you were saying, like not to get both raised. But saying it out loud like that, like you go from 4-8 to eight to one of the four playoff sp- spots, you won the Pac-12 championship uh, if you make the, the college football playoff, I'm assuming. So – yeah, you might go out and get and get waxed by Alabama, but at least I think they'll put up some points. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be what fifty-two to six. Is that? It's not going to be that. Right. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. You have a guy, and that would look better for Caleb Williams Heisman. Uh, hopeful, if you go to the yeah. playoff, you're 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 in that discussion. So if you like get, get a Heisman, if you out get of your it. quarterback the Heisman, you make the playoff like in year one. There's like, a lot. That, I, I don't care if you lose 100 to nothing to Georgia. Like, <laughs> like year one. Because you can go back and be like, hey, we made it, but we need you. We need X recruit. We need you. We need you in the, up front. Yeah, they're going to be recruiting like uh, crazy if that if that's the scenario that plays out. Even if they do get uh, handled by Alabama. It's Alabama. Uh, Mr. FL says... Um, Forget playoffs. If defense tightens up, we're winning it all. Okay. Okay. Maybe a little. All right. Let's. Uh, little pro- let's, I mean, uh, let's, uh, let's turn it back. They still oh, have. Oh, we do have a stout interior. Anthony's saying that uh, candy corn sucks. So. Yes. Thank you, Anthony. It does not I suck. I wonder if that's Anthony really in LA good. on Twitter. And those, um, the pumpkins, I love those too. Uh, okay. Let's go to another voicemail. 
Hi, this question is for uh, Ryan and Chris on the flagship show. Um, so I brought it up as a question to Coach Hyde, and I don't think um, uh, he understood where I was coming from. But I want to talk about the field conditions on the second for the second half uh, versus Stanford. They looked really bad, like dangerously bad. Um, you know, if I was Coach Riley, I would want to you know slow things down, and especially after seeing a bunch of players slip and tweak ankles. Um, you know, Coach Hyde mentioned cleats, but you know, if it's been 100 degrees all week and hasn't rained in Northern California, I don't know if you take your extra long mud cleats. You know, if you already know, um, you know, you probably have your long cleats already built in. That you know, if you're Stanford, you already know that the field's going to be muddy. You do it. Uh, my contention is that you know, is someone in the Pac-10 or Pac-12 going to look into this to make sure that this doesn't happen going forward? I know, you know, it wouldn't happen to Coliseum. Um, you know, I, I believe Oregon State's field, uh, what's left of it, is um, is astroturf, so that, that shouldn't be an issue either. But it'd be interesting to see if that's some, um, you know, you know, if, you know, Utah saw that and. and Rice Eccles ends up becoming, um, you know, a pilot as well. So that's my question. Thoughts, thanks. What do you think, Chris? I took a picture of the field at the end, and it looked like just got down field level when we were filming instant, and there were, like, craters everywhere. Like you practicing chip shots? It was, yeah, like <laughs> people were duffing chip shots, like, all over the place. It was pretty bad. Yeah, the I think the def, the the field conditions were definitely a minor storyline for this game we saw multiple players slip me specifically i saw mario williams fall three times one that directly uh influenced caleb williams decision making like oh i cannot go to this guy i was about to throw to i have to look somewhere else i believe that was an incomplete but you know i think it just might have been you know obviously as you mentioned the wet the conditions it was obviously a heat wave that week and no rain and you know dried out that that turf so i think it was just kind of like the timing of it just having that that heat wave come through uh california so how do you address that you know maybe it's i'm not a turf person i don't really know how you kind of fix that but i think it's just a a thing of timing you know will the pac-12 have to address it with other schools i don't think it'll go that far but i think it's something to be cognizant of I'm not. I'm not a turf person, Ryan. I no, just, me neither. I, I don't. I think Austin Jones was asked about it too, and he was sort of like, "He's like, yeah, that's how it always is." <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's just something that's you can. I'm, if you're on YouTube, I'm putting this picture up, and it's a field level shot of Austin Jones running through a big hole, and you can see like just chunks out of the field. Um, yeah. If it's always been like that, then it means nothing's going to change in the future. Right. I think it's different than like in 2005 or whatever it was, where Notre Dame grew the grass out and trying to slow USC down. I think that's just the way Stanford Stadiums is. So, uh, let's see. We got a couple more emails, and then we'll go to comments in on the YouTube chat room. Sergeant Strong, he's from the U.S. Army, retired. He says, "Hello, men. Well, that was a pretty solid win for USC. First win at Stanford since 2014. Uh, so, good job for that for our team and just getting the win. But I must say, I think our defense is really shaky. They have flashes of greatness, but then the team." can come back the next play after, let's say, a sack for a loss by our defense uh, and then gaining 20 yards, and the other team can run for 30 the next play and get the first down. 
It's just so up and down. I know it's only the second game, but if we keep playing like this, Utah, Oregon State, and I'll say Washington State will give us trouble. Washington State's been bad on offense. So um, hopefully, our, wrote? Uh, yeah, it's a home game too. Hopefully our offense, uh, hopefully about our offense, but I don't, he says hopeful about our offense, but I don't have confidence in our defense just yet. Is it me or do you guys see it too? Thanks guys for all you do. Fight on. Sergeant Strong. Look, it's a bend, don't break defense. That's all I can tell you. Growing up, I know USC fans have been uh, blessed with some stout, hard-hitting, shut-down defenses. When I was growing up a Maryland fan, me and my brother would joke about all this time. It was every year was a bend, don't break defense. I frequently said... Watching teams drive up and down the field, we have to stop the bleeding. We have to stop the bleeding. This is a bend, don't break defense. I've seen many. This is another one. Can they become less bend, don't break? Absolutely. But they really don't have kind of the personnel interior-wise to kind of with their run game. I know the run defense has been kind of an issue and, yep. and a bugaboo for this team in terms of stopping people from going up the middle. You know, there are times where they just give up big chunk plays and stopping on third down has not been consistent. But they are getting turnovers. They are, you know, making plays in the backfield at times that really gunk up an offense. But this is a bend. This is a bend don't break defense. Learn to live with it as, yeah. as they come through. You know, they still need to do some things in recruiting to fit the guys and for the scheme that they want to do. Remember, it's not a perfect personnel grouping for USC on defense. They did a lot of, you know, Frankensteining this defense with getting players of the portal. They still need to, once they get recruiting, when they get recruiting, it'll look better. But right now, they just have to play with what they got, and they're winning. So they're just have to you're just have to live with it and learn with it. And they will get better. I, I'm confident they will get better. Now they're not going to be like a top ten defense. No, that's not the case. But they can be less bend, uh, and I think that's what I think that's the best case scenario you can hope for this season. Less bendy. They're kind of like a 12-year-old gymnast right now. We want to, like, stiffen up, you know. <laughs> you want them to be a retired 48-48-year-old yeah, like gymnast. Still a little bend. You could kind of but, but, split still if everything's right. I don't know right. about 48 gymnasts. There's probably some breaks in that 48-year-old uh, that Even, like, the, like the gymnasts in college. Like, they're – I mean, the college gymnasts are crazy, but – there's just something when you're really small, like like I'm, move, I'm moving off this bit. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> One last email, Frank in Sacramento. He says, "My daughter started at USC in the fall of 2003. She didn't know that they lit the torch at the start of the fourth quarter until her senior year. USC was so far ahead in those games during the 35 game win streak. I think it was 34 that every that everyone left at halftime to go party on the row. So just a little comment there from Frank." In Sacramento. Hey, I think a lot of people would be happy to uh, to not realize to, re- to real to get back to those times where a whole generation of students didn't realize the the fourth quarter uh, flame was lit. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to some questions. From rapid the fire. Chat. Yeah, we'll we'll rapid fire them up. Jimmy, uh, Damani Jackson returned to practice today. Should we expect uh, for him to get playing time this weekend? No. Don't expect it. I cannot comment further. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about what we see out there as far as But educated guests, no. Educated guests, I like that. Um, this one's from Trunks. What would a college football playoff appearance do to recruiting in the NIL era? What I, One more time? Um, 
What would a college football playoff okay. appearance do to recruiting in the NIL era? Uh, for USC, I assuming they meant USC, but yeah, it would be incredible. I mean, we've talked about this in the composite two star recruits, which we're going to record later today. So Ooh. just put that in mind if you have questions to send that in. Uh, USC doubling their wins would be great. It wouldn't be really sexy recruiting. Eight eight wins isn't that sexy. No, nine wins. Double your wins. Nine wins. Okay. Ten wins Starting is sexy. Starting to show a little shoulder. <laughs> Eleven wins, showing a little thigh. You're looking pretty good. So, at minimum, college football playoff. That's what ten wins at minimum. Uh, that's a Pac-12 championship. That's got to be at least eleven. That's yeah. at least eleven. So you're looking really good, and that's something you can. You go. You go that record. You go to the playoff. You know, going into that, you can call any kid in the country committed. Or uncommitted, anyone, and they're picking up yeah. first dial. Uh, Lincoln Riley, playoff head coach for USC. Hey, we want you to come uh, be on this team. Yeah. yeah. It would just, you know, right now USC has had to recruit mainly off faith. You're not recruiting on faith at 11 and 11 and 1 going to the playoff. That's all like, hey, this is where we're at right now. We, we can see national championship. Yeah. Get on board with us. Come play, come be a Trojan. Plus NIL, Chris you know, is doing his bull- recruiting pitch right now. Sorry, yeah, this I is, love it. This is I stole this from the text, the Trevino Tech playbook pitch. I'm just kind of okay. Um, UFI, USCifying it, but it would just be it would just be like pouring gasoline on a. Help me out here. Fire. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking more. You would so like than, a campfire, like. Yeah, I mean. A nice, a nice steady campfire, and then you just dump a whole bunch of gasoline. Right. That would, yeah, because USC's well. recruiting well. Okay. So just like that accelerant. These two questions are related. I'll put them both sure. up back to back. Blackie, Jack, Blackie Chan Blackie plays. Chan. It's a hard one to say for some reason. Um, His question is, without Notre Dame has looked, because they lost to Marshall mm-hmm. over the weekend. We watched that at the tailgate um, that we were at. Um, do you think that game... Is a bit safe, or is it a bit safer to say we can handle business against them? And then Stephen wanted to know, um, other than Utah, who are the hardest opponents left on the schedule? UCLA, Notre Dame. What are you saying? Thoughts? Is he saying pick one of those, Notre Dame or UCLA? Like who are the hardest opponent? Who is the hardest opponent left on the after, schedule after? U- yeah, after Utah. Yeah, I would say those two. I mean, Marcus Freeman, good. DC. We'll see what that defense does against yeah. this offense. But Notre Dame can't score, can't move the ball. That was their whole thing the, the last two weeks. And obviously they lost their starting quarterback for the season, I believe. So we'll have to see what Drew Pine, I believe his name is. We'll have to see what uh what it looks like in Pine Time. Pine time. Uh, if they've, you know, maybe they make a change at OC, they change it up a little bit. If they start scoring points, that game will be more of a competitive thing. I tweeted it out after it was probably the alcohol, but it was like that Notre Dame game looking like blowout if you know they can't score and USC can just put keep putting up points. People got a little upset. People were like, hell yeah. People were like, no, don't talk that far. So obviously that's way off in the future. But if, you, if Notre Dame can't score, Ryan, I don't see how they're going to keep up with the uh, with the USC offense. They, they just can't. I mean, if they stop them, sure. But I don't think a lot of teams are going to be able to stop. 
Yeah. He's off, and it's at home. So you have a puncher's chance when you have an offense like that every week. Right. Yeah. And I, Notre Dame's not passing the eye test so far. And Oregon was the same thing for me. Like sometimes you hire a first time head coach and it's just, it's not, it's going to take a little while. And you remember like USC 2016 starting off one and three, like USC wasn't, you know, passing any eye test, but when Sam Darnold came in, they started doing that. And the schedule got a lot easier. I think Notre Dame was like a four and eight team that year when USC beat them. So it wasn't like they were they were that good. Yeah, they got a good win against a, a top ten you know Washington team on the road. That was the, the biggest win in that whatever nine game winning streak to end the season. So could Notre Dame do something like that and turn things around early? Maybe the new quarterback comes in. Yeah, potentially. But so far they're just not looking like they're not looking like a top ten team or top five team or whatever they were before. I would go, Utah's still going to be tough for that environment. I mean, the Oregon State game, I think, is potential to be up there, too. I mean, they've got two quality wins already. Um, I think they're going to be good. I think that could be tougher. And then UCLA has just been sort of like, I mean, they don't play anybody until like week five. So, um, you know, South Alabama, they're only like a 12-point favorite against, I think, this weekend. So that's a little, that's a little weird. I, I don't think Notre Dame would be up there, though. I, I would put Oregon State as a tougher game. Hell, I mean, Fresno State might be at this point. Is that is that sacrilege to say? I don't, we'll see if Notre Dame sort of like tanks a little bit or they turn I just need around. to see another week. I just need to see another yeah. week. If they come out and lose again and they still can't move the ball, then yeah. it's like They, they, they host Cal. Cal's just not been that good. Cal's 2-0. And they got a good defense. They They're beat UNLV by six this weekend. You know, Cal can play. We know that only they'll play D. So they, it might be a de- if it's a defensive slog fest. And even if they win by like sixteen to thirteen or something, yeah, I'm like, no, they can't score. They, they got Jack like, Plummer, right? The Indiana quarterback. No, no, not Indiana. Was he Jake? In no, he was. No, it's Jack Jack Plummer, the Purdue quarterback. He's got the. Purdue Is that the son of Jake the Snake Plummer? I don't think so. Okay, well then, um, then I'm not interested. Gotcha. I'm not so, interested. I don't know. But yeah, well, let's watch that Cal game because I don't think Cal's that good. They'll be okay. Um, but if they beat Notre Dame? That's a problem. That would be a big problem. Okay, let's pull up this question from Nick. Is it possible that USC's most dangerous regular season opponent is, in fact, themselves? P.S. Candy Corn Gang for life. Yes, Nick. Candy Corn Gang. Do you think USC's toughest opponent is USC? No, I think it's Utah. <laughs> yeah, I still think it's Utah, yeah. I still think maybe they're second. Maybe USC's second on their um, toughest opponents list, but I still think it's Utah. Yeah. Okay. I would yeah, I think I think a lot of it is you're kind of, you know, if you're going to you have the potential to be that far ahead, then it's like you're playing against yourself a lot of times. I think that's what you this our last question is about that USC in the second half. Um why did USC let off the gas in the second half? USC should run up the score on every team. And I think I think part of this was, you know, just you're looking at this as Stanford's done. Um, do we want to run 100 plays in this game? Or we want to try to slow things down. Don't put more of ourselves on film. Yeah, don't you know, do it. came a little bit flat. It's a bunch of things. And, you know, Riley talked about it today about, he goes, even if you run a little slower, it doesn't mean you still have to execute. They, yeah. they didn't execute when they weren't moving fast. Yeah. So that was part of the thing. They just weren't executing. Um, but they hit, you know, the first play of the second half was a bomb to Jordan Addison, like 40 yards or something like that. Like, and then they just stalled out. He said there was two third down penalties that really killed them. 
those kill drives. So, yeah, I mean, the execution wasn't as good when they weren't like going fast. And maybe there's some complacency, something like that. I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, but that's all the questions I got from the chat. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up, Chris? No, I want to go take a nap. So. All right, Chris, want to take a nap. He's got another podcast and stuff coming up. But, I have a three-hour uh, podcast to do. Yeah, but thank you for everyone for putting in uh, everything into the, the chat box. If you're listening on any of the podcasting apps, thank you for doing that. The, the YouTube stuff has been a lot of fun. We had 160 people or so watching live on a Tuesday afternoon. Which, you know, people are work. Maybe they're lunch break. If this was your lunch break, thank you so much uh, for spending the time with us. But for Chris Trevino, uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed our little show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.